0: Action-packed hour of Smoking and Wrestling. Professional wrestling the way it used to be and the way you like it.
1: Everybody to stay in front of them cheap TVs, you know, ball and watch what's getting ready to happen. Me and Mustafa getting ready to drop the Rock and Roll Express just like we promised. And I don't care if you like it or not, but you got to accept the fact that we going to have the best. And whether you like us, we don't care. We don't like you either. Get ready. Sit down in your stinking dog-smelling chairs and watch what happened when New Jack and Mustafa rip the Rock and Roll Express apart. It's been your pleasure and I'm out of here. We're here at the Tennessee Valley Fair. Just here in a few moments, you're gonna see us defend these titles against the gangsters. You see, gangsters, you come around here and try to rough shot everybody here in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Well, it's not gonna work. What we're gonna teach you boys is a little respect. This is the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast. With your host, the Professor Calbello Venacruz. Yeah! Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder, and I will take the powers of those that have no fear, and the Prodigal One, JB, the Queen, the Queen of the Crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the time machine.
0: The, home, the American Dream, That's two, living legend. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. But be the man! You gotta beat the man! Woo! Look at this! He's coming in I don't believe it! Alright. Alright. Alright.
1: Alright. I'm
0: alright
1: if you alright
0: better get some of that what's what uh, 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 a- uh, yeah.
1: what going on there reflection nights what is going on there magnificent seven what is going on there elite eight what is going on there to the pwc Networkites? what is going on there to the big veto whites out there You know, there's so many I shout out. You know, Magnificent Seven, the Elite Eight, the Big Beetle brand, the PwC Network. I don't know what is going on, but we have a network of people. We have a family of people. We have reflection lights of all creeds, ages, sex orientations. It doesn't matter. We are so inclusive. We are the world. We are the future. We are the ones that make a brighter day for you and me. (laughs) But neither here nor there, we welcome you to the PWR podcast. We welcome you to the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast here at PW Hustle Network at Pobbeam.com. And if you don't know who I am, you better slap your mama because she knows who I am. But anyway, neither here nor there. I am that man. I am that studly man. I am that magnanimous man. But most importantly, I am that glorious man. The only objective man in the IWC, YWC. The only obje- objective man in this political punditry. And the only objective man on this Podbean podcast platform. Your friend and mine. No, no, I am. It says it on the t-shirts. The only. That's what it says on PWSL Networks at shopzone.com. The only objective man in this in this damn planet. The Professor Chappelle Veracruz. But I'm not here all alone. I'm not here giving you a perspective, but yet I do give perspective sometimes. I can give you a perspective right now, but I'll I'll leave that for the final thoughts like Jerry Springer. But I got to introduce my cohort in crime, my brother from another mother, the man who actually, a couple of days ago during his road trip, ate some weenies. Yes, you heard it right. He ate weenies. You know, I don't know what I want to say here because I looked at the video. You know, I looked at it and, and, you know, his his friend, his girlfriend right there, you know, not his girlfriend per se, but his girl, who is a friend, she was throwing up before the, the shit was even open. That's how bad it was. <laughs> I looked at the video. and She threw up before the, 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 the can opener was, you know, was being used. That's how bad it was. But he stood tall. He stood strong. And I call him the Iron Stomach for a reason. Your friend and mine, Mr. Wonderful. The liberal conservative. The conservative liberal. Tommy, wonder what is going on, my friend. You are the Iron Stomach one. You, that's the shirt. We need the shirt. The Iron Stomach one. I don't, you know what? These people are going to find out you're lying to them if they watch the video. uh... wait a minute, reflection (laughs) eyes. Do I lie? The professor lies. No, he don't. He tells you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So listen,
0: speaking of my trip, so I land in Fargo, North Dakota on, okay, so my big ass already doesn't fit on airplanes, so I fly from Detroit to Chicago, thankfully it's a 45 minute flight, uh, and there's two seats on either side of the aisle. I get to Chicago, I got a two hour layover that was only supposed to be an hour and a half, but our plane ends up a half hour early, I hustle through this, this uh, airport, it's only now 6 a.m chicago time so it's 7 a.m my time maybe even 7 30 my time and the Mm -hmm. bars were open and i was like i've never drank at an airport and i've always every trip i say i'm gonna and i'm like and of course it was called the cubs bar and i'm like damn it there's people in there drinking too and i was like ah i'm like but i i got my suitcase i got my backpack i got my washington Capitals pillow for the airplane around my neck or around my suitcase i can't remember i think it was around my neck because i got off the flight flight and i was this close to going but it's the same thing i don't fit in airport airplane bathrooms i couldn't leave my you suit. are not on wait a minute.
1: you are not andre the giant big man you are you know no, so imagine size. him going in there okay so listen so listen i got all my
0: stuff so if i do anything I got to watch my stuff and carry my drinks or whatever I'm going to be doing, so I just didn't do it, right? But next Mm -hmm. time I travel with somebody, I'm drinking at the airport because they can watch my shit while I go do it. Anyway, long story short, I thought that first plane was tiny, and lately, my last couple flights I've taken, I've paid extra to pick my seat because unlike most people, I don't want the window. I thought I wanted the window until I went to Arkansas and back on four planes, and Realized that I fit even less in the window seat because that's where the plane starts curving up above my head. So, when we went to Miami in January, I paid to not get the window seat Mm -hmm. Um, on four flights. I got the window seat, the middle seat, which is the one no one wants, and then I got the aisle seat twice that I paid for. So, anyway, I got got the aisle seat. No, no, no. They stuck me on the window seat for the first flight. They let me pick it. But… Nobody sat next to me. So I was like, good. The second flight? Uh Just when you didn't think airplanes could get any smaller? there was only one seat on one side of the aisle and two on the other. And I think they stuck my fat ass in the one seat. And then got two little people like you to sit on the other side of me. But I look over, and there's only one dude. He doesn't have anybody sitting next to him. So I'm like, we're going to sit over. We're going to do a damn roll because my fat ass is on this side and his little ass is on that side. So I get to Fargo. I then drive. No, I walked to the mall by myself in cowboy boots. Never wear cowboy boots to the mall. But I went to yeah, a country I, I, concert. I saw, I saw, I saw so that. I looked at you. Bag. I made them fit in my bag on the way home. So gotcha. then I, get, I walk to the mall. I get some margaritas and some Bloody Marys at the Chili's in the mall. Walk back. Check into the hotel. My friend and all her friends show up. We drive two hours to this concert. Drinking moonshine. We're having a good time. We drive an hour and a half back. It was two hours because of traffic. The ride back was less. Then we drive to Travis Volts another hour. I hang out with him for the weekend. Mm-hmm. So I'm at a, I went to North Dakota, to Grand Forks, North Dakota. I never heard of. and went to a concert. So it was like a nice trade-off with my cruise that I didn't go on. Not Bella Bella cruise, uh, actual cruise.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then this Saturday, I had a chance to be in a college football stadium while they chanted, bleep Biden. But what happens? My friend who buys the tickets gets so drunk that he can't even pull out the damn tickets on his phone so we paid to go see Michigan State versus Nebraska we tailgated from 1 p.m. until the game started at 7 I, mm-hmm. I hobble him over to the game like a half mile and he cannot give me the password to get the tickets
1: cuz he was so, drunk you couldn't you yeah. shouldn't
0: do that so then we give up we throw mm-hmm. him in the backseat of my car, me and Stacy, the one of the dum-dums, drive from Michigan State to Savings, which was an hour and a half, and we kept checking on him while he's in the car, mm-hmm. making sure he's alive every 20 minutes to a half hour. And I watched Michigan State win in overtime on the TV at the bar, and I just thought, man, I could have been in the stadium, listened to people chant F. Biden, but no. So now I'm tempted to go back this, this Saturday because – Side note, I work every Saturday, right? And this was mm-hmm. a night game, and I was off. Well, next Saturday is a night game, too, so I might try to go. Well, remember, get the password first, then drink
1: second. Or, that's what you got to do.
0: buy my own ticket, and don't worry
1: about someone else's hat. I almost bought him, too, but he bought him because he was doing it while I drove to the game. That, I, I understand, but that, that's the responsibilities of the, the sober one. That's the responsibilities of the man who's, you know, the dry one, the dry friend. I don't know if you wanted to be the dry friend, but you had to be the dry friend if you had to have the password. You know, don't trust somebody else who has the password and is drinking. What were you drinking? Well, I
0: drank all day, and I
1: drank a lot. No, he, said, drank what? A fifth, he drank a fifth of Jack Daniels,
0: all except for about, mm-hmm. about an inch and a half to two inches of what I drink out of it to punch in. And then I drank Shock Top. Uh, okay. shotgunned a couple blue lights did some
1: jello shots who were made out of tequila uh you, you then start did some vodka shots you you start at 1 p.m to 7 p.m with jack daniels and vodka shots of course you're not gonna remember anything you probably won't even remember who you're married if you're drinking all that stuff but anyway neither here nor there tw had his grinder fun he was doing the college scenes you know he he was doing the uh, To Catch a predators with all those 18-year-old Michigan State uh, freshmen out there. But neither here nor there. Anyway, he enjoyed himself. Now we're back in the fold, back in the PWR podcast, back in the boardroom to go back on that nostalgic train. And actually, we're going back to an organization, Reflection Nights, that actually is the is kind of like the precursor to what this podcast is about. Because the W in the PWR podcast stands for wrestling and what I mean by that wrestling guys is this and anyway wait a minute we're gonna have a, a, a quick second uh, delay here so bear with me reflection You know what reflection nights and we're back we had a little bit of Biden technical difficulties you know I don't know what Biden is doing right now but you know even neither here nor there I'm an independent not a not a Republican not a Democrat but you know what people say F Biden for a reason but that's neither here nor there but the PWR podcast you know our call letters the W stands for wrestling and we're paying tribute here Reflection Nights to an organization that you know embarks the embodiment of the word wrestling. And we are going to be talking about Jim Cornette's brainchild here, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. You know, that little organization that could, the little engine that could, that lasted from 1991 to 1995, TW And TW, before you get into the epis- episodic episode here of uh, the Smoky Mountain area, what are your fond memories of it? Because, you know, when you look at it, it was, it was advertised as wrestling the way it should be. It was the classic wrestling that you grew grew up from. And Jim Cornette's moniker and Bob Cowell's moniker and Les Thatcher's moniker and even Bullet Bob Armstrong's moniker was to bring the tradition of wrestling or the style of wrestling, which was the Southern wrestling style. You know, episodic uh, storylines and all this stuff blood feuds no matter what but it still had the premises of good guys versus bad guys villainous managers and all that stuff what say utw baby baby faces and heels that's what it had on
0: and the actual bob coddle said wrestling the way it used to be wrestling the way you like it and mm-hmm. one thing that like there's a lot of names there so my memories of it are strictly magazine because much like Ring of Honor in the in the mid to late 2000, you know, early 2000, 2010, I just couldn't find it on TV. And Smoky mm-hmm. Mountain was one of those things that I couldn't find, but I would read about it, and it made you feel like it was another NWA, right? Like, you got the Rock and Roll Express, the Fantastics are there, and then you also had new guys, and that's where Al Snow got his first big break. That's where D'Lo Brown got his first big break. So I guess mm-hmm. from that standpoint... I didn't meet D'Lo in 94. I think I met him in 95, uh, but I had already been going down to lima because I started going there when I was training in 94. So I might have mm-hmm. met him late 94, and I think he got signed in 95. So he wasn't in Smoky Mountain until after I already became friends with him, and then he went there, and then he became Nation of Domination. So I guess to answer the question for from my standpoint, my favorite part of Smoky Mountain was – the Heavenly Bodies coming to WWE. The Rock and Express come in there, and you know Jim Cornette having that working agreement with them. Uh, I, I believe the Unabomber was Glenn Jacobs, or mm-hmm. yeah. um, and, and then you got Kane. Snow. So, Kane. Uh, so you have all these guys that are basically familiar to you from NWA, and then you got the guys that are familiar to you because, like, I didn't know who Jimmy Del Rey was until the Heavenly Bodies were on Raw. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh I About definitely think
1: Pritchard.
0: I definitely think it was a step backwards when Pritchard became Skip the or Chip this team with Skip or whatever mm-hmm. Skip and Zip uh you bringing it. the heavenly bodies back um but I just I liked it um it kind of reminded me of global reminded me of world class reminded me um not so much Memphis cuz Memphis was very small like studio wrestling like like WCW Saturday night type stuff but what they did well was they they did the camera angles where it looked like there were a lot of people there, but you really can't tell because there's no seats next to the ring by the risers. So the mm-hmm. risers are what looks like fans, but then there's fans in the riser, you know, whatever. But they did... Um, back in 94 95 96 97 that's what I was doing in ohio was doing fairs and festivals and one of the references on this show is the rock and roll express versus gangsters which by the way
1: I did not know happened until I watched that show today mm-hmm. uh, well we'll talk about that later but you know so but wait a minute TW let me let me just give the reflection nice a picture because you was going to talk about the fairgrounds and all that stuff In this episode here of Smoky Mountain Wrestling Reflection Nights, they did something from the Tennessee State Fairgrounds, which, you know, for Smoky Mountain's territories, per se, TW, it was Tennessee, it was Louisville, Kentucky, it was Alabama. To me, I understand where you're going with the NWA reference, but I think to me, in my humble opinion, Jim Cornette was trying to recapture Bill Watts' areas. The, yeah, the, the, or, the I mean mid-south the, yeah but Bill Watts was more mid-south be, before Memphis. Memphis had its own territory. That was its own staple, but I think Jim Corner was trying to do the the Bill Watts uh geography of trying to control the areas. But the uh, there's two problems here. The advent of cable and of course WWE and WCW having a bigger reach than smoky mountain wrestling and smoky mountain falls into the trappings just like ecw reflection i said in that cult members know about smoky mountain cult members love smoky mountain's reputation they love its presentation but you didn't know who some of these people were like you just said tw you didn't know the gangsters fought the rock and roll express probably people didn't even Probably people thought the Rock and Roll Express were retired after they had their last run in WCW or their last SummerSlam match against the Heavenly Bodies. I forget which—oh, no, it was a Survivor Series. But you understand where I'm coming from. Smoky Mountain needed those um, relationships, those working relationships. They started with WCW, and Jim Cornette was smart enough to go there because you know why? Bill Watts was the executive vice president of WCW before he got fired. And then Jim Cornette, being the shrewd businessman he was, went all the way to Connecticut and had a handshake deal with Vincent Kennedy McMahon Jr. And that's why you got to see the Heavenly Bodies. That's why you got to see a lot of the Smoky Mountain people with a lot of untapped potential, T.W., come up the ranks. So at Smoky Mountain Wrestling or SMW became not like NXT, but let's say Florida Championship Wrestling, like OVW in that sense. Like Heartland Wrestling. That's thatcher. Yeah, mm-hmm. Les
0: thatcher was heartland wrestling. uh I, I wrestled for less thatcher real nice guy. It was cool to see him. It's funny because as I'm watching and I'm like, I'll bet you know, I'll bet Travis or Travis, I bet Professor doesn't know that I have ties to this guy, that I have ties to this guy, ties to this guy. So it was kind of cool. Well, obviously, new Bob Cottle like he's my favorite all time. um I, I'm not going to say he's the best, you know, that would be a slap in the face of Jim Ross, but. Mm-hmm. But Bob Cotto to me is my kind of guy. Jim Ross is the everyman's kind of guy, and I love Jim Ross. He was in UWF. Um, but Bob Cotto just always made it feel like, well, we're a sports. Like, he felt like a sports announcer, not a wrestling announcer. If that makes any sense. Whereas Jim Ross is a wrestling announcer. I couldn't. I guess he did some college football, but I I couldn't imagine listening to him do anything other than wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then Les Thatcher, I wrestled for him in Kentucky, uh, replacing D'Lo Brown of all people, because D'Lo got signed and they used me to replace him in my match um and then bruiser bedlam man guy rest his soul there's probably a lot of people don't like him i've talked about him on the show before he blew up the the uh hamilton police department when he got out of prison um Mm -hmm. i think he died in prison not too long ago a year ago but bruiser to know him is to love him and also fear him and uh Tortured, so, you
1: know, tortured soul, Bruiser Benoit. Yeah,
0: yeah, he got into some bad stuff, but, but when he was your friend, he was your friend. And so, you know, it's hard to separate, you know, I guess for lack of a better term and far greater <laughs> bad things, mm-hmm. you know, you don't hear Chris Jericho talking bad about Chris Benoit because at the end of the day, that was his friend, you know, almost family. And what he did was terrible and nobody would discount that, but it's still hard to separate you know the years of of the bond and mm-hmm. and Bruiser, just ah, he he was just a joy to be around once you got used to him because he was absolutely the guy you were deathly afraid of. I was gonna do a tag match Los Rudos versus Bruiser and Ray the Crippler Roberts, and I was afraid to do it because I'm green, you know whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it never happened because they brought in Al Snow and Al Russell Bruiser for the title three months in a row.
1: Um, so it kind of. You mean, wait a minute, you talk about repetitive booking back in the 90s? People complain about that on Raw every week.
0: uh, Yeah, well, people complain about Raw for the sake of it. (laughs) There's
1: people on your
0: hustle page who think the top rope actually broke. I'm not going into that. Nerve to say, I'd rather have a dud pyro than a faulty ring. Are you kidding me? And you, of all people, had to straighten them out and say the whole angle is that the tribal th- chief thinks his ancestors helped him in that match. That finish is going to be looked at in history far greater than the idiots ripping on it on Sunday night, because, or whatever night it was. Because, mm-hmm. A, it protected Finn Balor. B, that whole little heartbeat thing, did you mm-hmm. hear the crowd when that happened? Like yeah. Me, as a 48-year-old man, thought, what in the, f- what is this? But then I heard the crowd, and I go that's why i don't criticize it because everybody in that building thought it was genius and they were all in for finn balor and i'll be i'll admit this see roman reigns state champion so that i don't ever have to hear anybody say cm punk has the longest reign and wrestling modern day wwe title reign i would love for that but did that heartbeat and jumped up like he did Every ounce of me wanted to see him win the belt that night. But I knew he wasn't because you're not going to have the showdown and whatever and Brock not be fighting for the title. So what better way to save Finn than have him get screwed by the ring and now he's available to do it again? Because had he won the belt, he would have lost it back right away so that Brock and Roman would be for the title in a month. And Mm -hmm. so I like it. I like everything about it. I love that you said what you said because at first I'm like, Did Roman just thank God? And I'm like, that was weird. But it's, like you said, the holy grounds and this, that, and the other thing. Mm -hmm. I actually saw someone on Twitter explain it, too. And I just thought, the more layers you get through that onion, the more that finish was. But by all means, tell me a 10-minute draw is way better. When you're
1: first when everyone thinks it should have been last. You know, again, I just want to prove a point here, Reflection Ice. You know, the past... Meets the present because everything is cyclical. Just like T.W. said that Al Snow. What? Cyclical. No, cyclical. You said sickle cell. Oh, boy. I did not say sickle cell. <laughs> I said cyclical. But anyway, it is cyclical because everything is always repetitive. Everything always repeats itself. The traditions yeah. repeat itself. But anyway, neither need to hear they're there. the formula because it works. If it ain't yeah. broke. Don't fix it. But anyway, TW, let's get into Smoky Mountain wrestling here. And you're talking Who about who's the guy teaming with Bruiser? I didn't recognize that. First, I thought it was Sabio Vega. Well, I don't know everybody here, but let us get into the crusp of Smoky Mountain wrestling and what's, what is going on here in 1994. TW, there is a quote-unquote mystery commissioner. He has not identified himself, but his the best wall. friend. But his best friend somehow is a wrestler named Bullock Bob Armstrong and Bullock Bob Armstrong has got free reign to use his authority as Eric Cartman would say from South Park. You know, he's the man that will suspend people. He's the man that's gonna find people. He's the man that's gonna change. He just decisions. delivers the message. He's not doing the finding and the suspending. He's letting you know what the commissioner told him to tell <laughs> no, you. No, but no. Let, let's just look, Let me let me give the real here for the reflection. That's, because you know the professor is objective here. But it seems to me, and I gotta go with my man James E Cornett, who is the leader of the union, the man who represents Bruiser Bedlam, the man who represents. The heavenly bodies and some other guy, Jabroni, that I don't know, but he Salve is Omega the junior. No, we ain't, we ain't calling him Saudi <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a white dude. It, it's a hillbilly. not hick.
0: a white dude. That, that was not a white dude.
1: Okay, the very he was. At he's mixed. He's Greek. He's Greek. But anyway, neither here nor there. But, Bullet Bob Armstrong's message from the commissioner to Jim Cornette in this episode, TW, because you know we're gonna go boardroom style. We're gonna go front to back and side to side and all that stuff. But the commissioner wants to make Jim Cornette's life a living hell. And what he did in this episode, TW, really irked me. Because to me, I believe Jim Cornette. Bullet Bob Armstrong is the commissioner in hiding because he doesn't want to call himself the commissioner. He's using, it's an abuse of power. It's like a, it's like Joe Biden's presidency, making you do things you don't want to do. He is dissolving the union. He is suspending Jim Cornette from doing contracts representing the union, TW. It is unfair. Jim Cornette, can I get a fair shake? I am on Jim Cornette's side. What say you, TW, about the, you know, what the funny thing about the mystery commissioner angle, TW, is like you remember I don't want to go front to back but I have to because you know not a lot of people remember I know you wipe back to front we know no no but let's just go with the traditions <laughs> of wrestling tw like no in sell. The, yes I have to no sell that but anyway <laughs> in the 80s and let's say early 90s WWF authority figure was president Jack Tunney in the NWA in the 80s The the authoritative figure was Jim Crockett because that was his, it was Jim Crockett Promotions. In the 90s, you know, we had a little bit of those commissioners here and there. We had the general managers like Guerrilla Monsoon and WWF. Uh, We had Eric Bischoff, Bill Watts and WCW. But to me, the commissioners, the general managers, all started in Memphis. It's it started in the territories of Jim Cornette, like the Smoky Mountains, with the with the general managers like uh Jerry Jarrett, just like and Bill Watts in the UWF Mid South days. He put the reins in on those episodic Yeah, But episodes. Jack Tunney was the
0: president of WWE forever. Like yeah, when I started
1: watching it, he he was didn't the really throw that
0: he didn't right, he really wasn't throw he that owned, power. He would read a statement in the, right. the corner. He was never That's really there.
1: Yeah. yeah. It didn't mean something, but to me, T.W., everything started in the South. This is one of those formulas that started to me in the South because the, the president or the general manager or that wrestler who, you know, has stake in the place. Who becomes a character. Who becomes a, it becomes a big character. So, you know, with the mystery commissioner, it's all. And then, you know, the mystery commissioner here in this episodic episode, nights kind of reminds you of – Raw's um, anonymous GM which was a computer it was funny and you know it, it made a lot of wrestlers lives a living hell so what say you TW about the mystery commissioner angle
0: so two things
1: one the gist I got it
0: from it from one episode was and I don't know this but this is what it felt like it felt like uh, Bob Armstrong which by the way is he allergic to shirts every time he's on there he's got his dad jeans on and no shirt like he's proud to be in shape at 68 but anyways, mm-hmm. I digress. A, it felt like Jim Cornette referenced that he already was the commissioner. So are you telling me he stepped down because he didn't want to be the commissioner? It felt like a
1: yellow dog situation. Like he lost the job but was still doing it. It, it feels like a yellow dog uh incident to me but i think for for the for episodic purposes it made people tune in it made people pay their money to the fairgrounds right but i mean the reason there was an
0: anonymous manager was because or commissioner is because he couldn't be commissioner anymore yet he was because bob cottle even agreed with jim Cornette. he's like bob cottle but bob cottle's like Bob Armstrong, every question Mm -hmm. he asked. Right. And then the other thing that was interesting to me was, and again, this is where the difference between North and South and the Mason-Dixon line, this is a very liberal, conservative line in the sand, the heels were the union, and I loved it. It was He's like, your union's been busted, because in the 80s, in the 60s and 70s, they were trying to bust Jimmy Hoffa's union and all that stuff. So for Mm -hmm. him to do that, and the crowd cheered, but again... I've said this on here before, the people in the South don't always seem like the brightest. I don't know that they were cheering because they understood what he was saying, or they were cheering because
1: the heel Armstrong got, got he that come it, up. You know, it's, yeah, right.
0: Right. Because by 94, cause in, in 93, I think it was down in Kentucky. I almost moved to Kentucky cause Toyota's there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And like you would work for Toyota in Kentucky, the way you would work for the big three here in Detroit, but they're not union. So which is why they went there instead of here, because here they were getting unionized. Chicago, they're getting you. New Jersey, they're getting unionized. You ain't Mm -hmm. getting unionized in Kentucky. So it it actually makes sense that union busting would be pop, you know, but I still don't know if they knew that's what they were popping for, if that makes any sense. But Mm -hmm. I thought it was different because, like you said, a lot of things in wrestling are familiar, even when you see it for the first time on AEW or WWE. You're seeing it for the first time, but trust me, there's somebody seeing that for a hundred times who's been watching wrestling for a long time. This is something I saw for the first time. I've never, ever. And the other inside joke is, or inside baseball, not necessarily a joke, is Jesse Ventura in the late 80s, early 90s was always trying to get a wrestling union. So He was close. Uh, he was close. Yeah. Yeah. So for them to do a union-busting storyline, it's actually... It's actually refreshing because you would think that would have been a storyline, but it's so hot button in, in that era for the WWE. And for the most part, it would be WCW too, because it would have affected both of them. Mm -hmm. I don't want to touch it. You know what I mean? If they touch it, then when they show it in court, look, they're anti union, you know, even though it's a work, they could say stuff like that. So I actually thought it was a pretty good angle. I, I liked everything about it. And I don't, you know, getting back to you said people like their presentation granted watching something in ninety four is way different than watching it in two thousand twenty wonder it felt like uh, that stuff we watched the mid eighties glow the mid eighties mid south it felt like that eight or nintendo eight bit graphics and and mm-hmm. all that stuff for ninety four i think it should have been
1: better uh it's again, sixteen it, it it's sixteen it was, bit in 90s. Yeah, it's sega sega
0: but uh yeah, I just I, – I liked it. I liked the commissioner part, and I liked that it was frustrating. And, and, you know, one of the matches that we'll talk about from the Tennessee fairground is something like – like if someone done what he did in WWE tonight, right now, mm-hmm. if, if someone came out and reversed the decision because someone cheated to win, the entire anti-WWE, IWC, YWC, you'd be like – there have been a million matches where someone cheated and they didn't reverse it. Macho Man won the belt from Tito. Uh, Greg Valentine won the belt from Tito. Every, why are they all of a sudden reversing matches, right? That's what would happen. And then if that same thing happened on AEW, you'd get, man, they have never done that. That's awesome. They come out and they reverse a decision.
1: Great for, booking.
0: My, <laughs> my, guy is, my guy is still champion. Because they think the guy really is champion and won the belt. But that's mm-hmm. a whole other story. So when they did that here, there, is, there are no blurred lines. And in 94, they're not really blurred yet. It wasn't until, what, 96 when Austin started getting cheered as a heel. Granted, mm-hmm. there were heels that got cheered. Razor Ramon got cheered. Rick Rude got cheered. Macho Man got cheered. But not like Austin
1: got cheered. Like, Austin, they had no choice but to turn him baby face because everyone... Well, re- remember the time. I mean, 94, 95, 96. And, you know, I understand where you're going with the Austin blurring the lines. But, again, places like smoky mountain places like uswa places like ecw are blurring face yeah they're blurring the lines of reality and you know fun fact here tw you know if you have a chance when you're on the crapper google uswa versus smoky mountain wrestling and the face of smoky mountain is actually bob armstrong he didn't say he's the commissioner but he went on uswa tv to get you know, to start a war with Jerry the King Lawler, and he's the face, and he's the leader of, of Smoky Mountain. So that's why Jim Cornette comes on Smoky Mountain television and says the invisible commissioner is Bullet Bob Armstrong. So that that's just, to me, where it's, you know, you have to do these things in the indie scenes. You know, you have to have some kind of Working relationship, so you can exist, so you can pay the rent, so you can pay your, right. you know, pay to for the next town, to keep running. And like you said, T.W., you could, you didn't know where Smoky Mountain was, but again, Smoky Mountain was on Tennessee television, was on Alabama television. You know, it wasn't going to reach to the East Coast, and maybe, and I'll be honest, I don't think the East Coast was ready for Smoky Mountain Wrestling. We were ready for ECW because of that presentation, but I don't, but I think we weren't ready to go backwards. To no, no, a lot of these guys in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, yeah, you're right, went to ECW. And let's talk about that for a second here because there's there's two, there's three actually involved that became more iconic in ECW. And that's Boo Bradley, Chris Candido, and Thrill Seeker Landstorm, Storm. And they correlated with each the other. And, no, no, what, hold up, okay. hold up. Oh, I'm just all right, all right. I want to start with them first. Okay. Now Reflectionites. If you don't know who Boo Bradley is, I actually, when I looked at him, I was like, holy shit. Right. That is Balls Mahoney. And this, and, and this is a 360 character flip because Boo Bradley, a.k.a. Balls Mahoney T.W., let's look. I just want to focus on him because I knew him as Balls Mahoney. Again, this is not so me. Did I. I knew the knew name him. Boo Bradley because it's a character from like a novel. But right. I knew the wrestler Boo Bradley existed. I Had no idea it was Balls Mahoney. Right, I knew so Balls. It was and the music of all. I got big balls. You got big balls. And and he had the chair shots and the chair swinging freaking all this stuff. Wearing the leather jackets and the and the ripped up jeans and shit like that. But Boo Bradley, this is a great character dimension. Tw, I, I'm trying to be. You know, this is not no uh, sarcastic thing. This man did a whole 360 or 180, whatever you want to call it. He was, you know, like a dog. He was on a Swing chain. Blade. He was on Swing a blade. chain being controlled by Tammy Lynn Sitch, a.k.a. Sunny Reflection Nights, and Chris Candido. And actually, Boo Bradley was the Smoky Mountain Wrestling world television champion. But TW, Boo Bradley, a.k.a. Balls Mahoney, did not speak a word. But he... But what I liked about him, especially when he did that little promo with uh, Sonny, a.k.a. Tammy Shake. He kneeled, looked up, and looked horny like a dog. He wanted to hump <laughs> the leg of Sonny. And he was, it was so genius. It was so simplistic, but I loved it. What's T.W. about and he, and
0: he dressed, he reminded me in his gear like the blue meanie, like a half mm-hmm. shirt and jean shorts. Like it was right. weird because, uh, Like, I was just reading something the other day where Corey Graves, who's fast becoming the Internet's public enemy number one, he, uh, the IWC, anti-WWE people, he said he was watching someone in the ring, and uh, another guy asked him, missing, and then Corey Graves said, I don't know how to sell him, right? And he didn't say Mm -hmm. who the guy was. My guess this is someone like Ricochet or somebody like that. Like He comes out there, flippity, flippity, flippity. But that was my guess. But my So when Balls Mahoney's in the ring, I don't see coming. Mm-hmm. He's just sitting there and looking up. When I first saw it, I go, why the hell is he sitting down on the ground? Because I had no idea he was supposed to be a puppy in the ring.
1: Because right.
0: in the ring, he just wrestled, right? So doing that would have made sense to me because he's always barking in the ring and walking around on all fours and then clotheslining people mm-hmm. so so yes in the ring he reminded me of blue Mini, and then out there i'm like oh he's a dog that makes sense with the leash now so really what it is it's not a knock on him he's on the leash for the interview off the leash for the match so that's why he's all over the place not kneeling not you mm-hmm. know doing whatever so it actually does make sense in hindsight but i had to see him in that promo to realize, and the thing that really confused me, this is why I told you off off camera, uh, this was the Boo Bradley, Brian Lee, landstorm Storm show, because they mm-hmm. showed Lance Storm wrestling some scrub who, by the way, there's a few guys on here that I've never seen or heard of before, and I probably won't ever again, one being Ole Anderson's kid. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get to that. Ha- he absolutely has to be Ole's kid because he had the same – facial movements when he talked you know his mouth moved the same way but Mm -hmm. you got landstorm versus job guy but then they showed landstorm versus Boo rally and i'm like didn't he say he was fighting Brian Lee? And then that's where he won the belt, and then Brian Lee came out there, and I'm supposed to believe that he just got his name randomly pulled out of the hat to have this match? I'm like, okay, we, we didn't need the
1: hat, just they're having a match because of the fallout of the other one, right? Well, so- you know, well, T.W., I have to be fair here. You know, you got to defend SMW because of the, the financial restrictions that it has. They probably taped a couple episodes in a row, back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, And they have to edit it as best. And Jim Cornett's one of the best editors in wrestling television history. So you had to make sense of this. Of course, you had those spots. One of those matches that you talked about was from the last episode of SMW. Right, and, and, And Lance Storm was facing the job on this episode. Boo Bradley was fighting twice. No, he wasn't. He was, he was just no, no, developing no, no, no. the program. I knew
0: that. I understood mm-hmm. what was happening. They were doing okay. like the WWE shoves it down your throat, the re re-re-telling uh, of the story. But my problem with all of it is Brian Lee's the guy who helps Lance Storm when everyone's beating him up. Mm-hmm. And then he's also, before they even show that, they tried to trick you. They show him getting his name pulled out of the hat first, probably right. in a way to cover for it. So now when they show him helping uh, Lance Storm, it gives us some heat. And, but they don't ever say, oh, what a coincidence, because he just won the belt. So mm-hmm. it, it would be weird that he got picked to fight him before he even had the belt.
1: So it was all just it – was, it was whatever. But it is It was, it is. Ca- it was, no it was chaotic. It was chaotic. It was all over the place. And since you're talking about primetime Brian Lee, and again, he he had a chance to become the television champion against Boo Bradley. We can talk about that match here, TW, in a second. Did you notice the look of Brian Lee? Because this episode happened in October. Supposedly, it was taped. Probably I'll say it was taped in September of 94. It was aired in October of 94. You remember where Brian Lee was in 1994? The fake Undertaker. Right. Did you see his look? Because pre-fake Undertaker. He's, he's yeah, beard, There you go. Face. He is yeah. a white meat blonde, very light, blondish
0: hair, baby I was face. I him and Bobby Fulton. They would show Bobby Fulton one minute, show him the next, and I'm like, what the hell's happening here? And then I realized, I'm like, that's Brian Lee. I'm like, so this has to be post-Undertaker. I was going to mm-hmm. ask because I wasn't sure. If the Undertaker stuff happened in ninety four later it but yeah no, it, it run out some of time of,
1: because it becomes a right. badass after so long. But um, so but, yeah. I get I, I and and reflection this is a great uh adamant here that Brian Lee had to keep the look you know why? Because Vince McMahon probably would have called him. You know why, Reflection Ice? Because he has to do house shows against the real Undertaker, so this way you can tour the country as the fake Undertaker. So he had to keep the look with the black hair, and he and he, and he looked like Disciples of the Apocalypse in 1998. So he just kept the, he went into a heavy metal look, T.W. So... right, And the funny was, thing is, that's, I, I thought must have been Henna, and he got all
0: tat- tattooed up to look like the Undertaker because he's got no tattoos in this match. And that's right. why I was like, okay, is this dude, is this pre-Undertaker, post-Undertaker? Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Because I, I don't know the years when Undertaker, I forget how he even disappeared. I know they crushed his face. Um, uh, they, they gave him Yokozuna. time off at Raw.
1: It was Raw Rumble 94 with Yokozuna, and then he came back. Yeah. After he got, that, he so. lost
0: the casket match, right? Yokozuna mm-hmm. put him in the casket. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yep. So, but
0: yeah, and the funny thing is, two things: a, when you're watching him in this match, and it's probably like you said, because he's wearing the DOA, he's got jeans on and like a biker vest, he's not wearing the Undertaker gimmick, mm-hmm. and his hair looks shorter, like like a little bit shorter, which easy remedy you put uh, extensions in when you got to go back to being the Undertaker or whatever. And it mm-hmm. wasn't red; it was black versus the reddish whatever. But he looked little. He didn't look as big because when he was wrestling The Undertaker, he looked like, I mean, he was clearly shorter when they finally went face to face. Mm -hmm. But when he was gone and he was coming out being a fake Undertaker, there were plenty of people who thought it really was him. Like it was that close. Um, Most of us knew it wasn't him, but the the average person would turn on wrestling and go, hey, that's The Undertaker. Because he wasn't, it wasn't like Bret Hart playing The Undertaker. He was taller than Bret, shorter than Mm -hmm. Baker. So, so that's that. And then, um, the tat, like I said, the tattoos. Like, it's it's nuts how just changing the outfit and putting. And and the other thing is, this dirty white was it dirty white boy he was fighting?
1: No, he no, was. It was it was, Boo, it was Boo Bradley for the television right. championship. So,
0: so Boo Bradley isn't really tall, but he's big, so that probably made him look smaller too. Was that he was just in there with him? But it was just like, man, I wouldn't have looked at him and thought it's going to be the guy. Just like I wouldn't have looked at Barry Windham and thought. Hey, let's give him a buzz cut and paint his face like Sting and uh mm-hmm. have him have him come out as the fake Sting and have him
1: But it's great camera work when you yeah. can say, especially on the TV end, whoa, that, that well, I thought that was Sting. Or oh, I thought that was the Undertaker. Now in the arena and the fairgrounds, you have to take a you have to squint, take a second look. So you can't really tell, but then you know, you, you get bought, you know, you, you yeah. you're a mark. You're a mark when you you get bought, and that's why you keep coming back for more. And when you look at this match, T.W., again, you talk about Boo Bradley. Like, when you take the chains off of Boo Bradley, he's a different man. It kind of reminds you of, like, what Rick Steiner was in the varsity club when Kevin Sullivan took the chains off, you know, figuratively, not literally. because. But, you know, like Rick Steiner, he could go in the ring. And, you know, Boo Bradley, a.k.a. Balls Mahoney, you know – being a big girthy guy like he was i'm not going to say he was agile like rvd no way jose but he could hold his own he could do some he did a moonsault he did a moonsault
0: yes he did he was going to die i thought he was going to die because i definitely didn't think he was hitting it i thought he was doing
1: that darby allen move where he just fell off the top rope uh, the coffin drop no, he yeah. didn't do that. Yeah, he wasn't going to. That would be way ahead. Of, you know, I wish he did. So this way I would I would tell AEW stands. you know, he, you know the coffin drop was already done in Smoky Mountain. But anyway, neither here nor there. Right. But the funny thing about this match, and Boo Bradley successfully defended his title, TW, but that wasn't what got the professor. What got the professor was the way Boo Bradley won. Sonny put the chain on the corner. That's not, a, you know, that's okay. That's the formula, like we talked about. The formula works. The heel, heels go over strong. The heel manager, the heel valet is helping their man to, you know, beat the good guy, the babyface, like primetime Brian Lee was. What got the professor was the referee because Sonny had to take the chain off. And once the three count hit from Mark Curtis. He pointed at it. He pointed at the direction of where the chain was. And I'm like, this motherfucker. I know he wears glasses, <laughs> but
0: that's that's Brian Hildebrand. By the way, he passed yeah. away. That's the guy that had the uh, those shows. Les Thatcher had those tribute shows for him,
1: right? He he did a lot. He had a lot of hats in uh, Smoky Mountain. He was referee, aka uh, marketing executive, aka you know regional manager, you know television executive. All that he had a lot of hats in Smoky Mountain. Jim Quinn entrusted Brian Hildebrand, aka Mark Hurst. but TW, come on. Mark oh. Curtis looked. Then at he handed Son- her a
0: piece of paper. Did you see that? It was a paper. He called him back over, and he wrote out the ring. and He handed her a piece of
1: paper, and I thought, is "That like the payoff? What was that?" Oh, okay. So now, now you explain it to me because I was like, "Okay, wait a minute. This motherfucker is looking at Sunny. Take the right, chance." And Paul at it. <laughs> pointed at it, and still like, gave. Now, now here's this is until you explain that it kind of makes sense. Now, when you when I was looking at it, I was like. Where the hell is Bob Armstrong? Where's the commissioner? Where's this invisible right. commissioner to reverse the decision because Brian Lee got cheated up? What's the ATW about the whole, you know, ending and what the professor was confused about? I didn't think that because the commissioner swap thing that
0: happened. So after that match, which is ironically enough, it was made possible by Brian Hildebrand walking away after the double drop kick. So if he mm-hmm. just counts the fall, it doesn't happen. So it almost looks like he's in on that one too, but then he restarts the match. But, um... Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, the thing that was funny to me was, confirmed that it was Undertaker Brian Lee. This guy went from wrestling as the Undertaker in WWE to jobbing out to the TV champion
1: in Smoky Mountain, and I just thought, is was, that no, how that wasn't have... that wasn't a job. I mean, he, he lost. You know, it was he lost a change. A
0: TV champion. It's a job. A, a job is losing. Doesn't matter how you lose, you're still doing the job, right? He didn't get jobbed out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's where you're just done, right? You mm-hmm. just took everyone's finish and bye bye Chavo Guerrero. But anyways, um, he he basically, but part of me thinks that was by design because if you have him come in there just running rough shot through everybody, then people are gonna know he was the fake Undertaker. Like it almost trying to make it look like, oh, that can't be the fake Undertaker. He just lost, you know. The fake mm-hmm. Undertaker would have won, you know, because I think he was on a pretty good streak, and then it got nipped in the butt when the real Undertaker came back. But I think he was beating guys. As the fake Undertaker.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, he, well, of course, on Wrestling Challenge, you are beating like the uh, Barry Horwitzes of the world. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So, it's a good, you know, kind of television title angle here. But a again, good out. it was a good out. It, but the professor had said there was holes in this. And not the good holes like, a, like on a woman. But, you know, some holes <laughs> in this match. But... Since we talk about this ECW correlation or connection or six degrees of separation, if you will, Reflectionites, let's talk about another ECW stalwart. You know, I would call him an ECW alumnus. God rest his soul, Chris Candido. Now, storyline-wise here, TW, he was suspended because an old Southern tradition, because, I don't know, like you said, the Mason-Dixon line, I guess— Taking a pile driver in New York is liberal, but taking a pile driver down the Mason-Dixon line in the South is conservative. And you know the funny thing about the pile driver, I always liked that angle because you know in Memphis, you know Bill Watts' territories, you know the pile driver was the most dangerous move in all of professional wrestling. Now in 2021, there still people think like, visually it still is if done right and done in, a, in the a, power bomb a
0: guy's landing ass out five point mm-hmm. landing pile driver looks like you're landing on your damn head and the guy's using you as a pogo stick so if it's not number one the ddt is because it's so sudden right mm-hmm. and the brain oh no 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 I, two and three the brain buster especially coco beware's brain buster was the one where i thought how has someone not died from this like just mm-hmm. accidentally you know what i mean because you right. know someone like coco beware was thick enough that he's hitting before you do so you're really just taking an
1: up, straight-up suplex and then crumbling. Um, but you know what's funny? Driver, you know what's funny, TW? The Brain Buster was not banned in the South like the Pile Driver was. It's funny. Because nobody did it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. You, I'm, you I'm just what? going with the optics here. Neck,
0: I broke my neck in my third match ever. And for the next 20 years, I, did, I told guys, I ain't taking no neck bump. I ain't taking no – matter of fact, brainbuster. In the '80s, brutal. Petey Williams move. Take that move. There is no way in hell you're getting me to take that move.
1: And I'll. Oh, the Canadian Destroyer. Yeah,
0: yeah. Not a damn. By the way, that move's named after the guy that trained us, Canadian Destroyer Doug Chevalier. Passed away years ago. That's why Petey named that uh, move the Canadian Destroyer. Was as a dedication to Doug Chevalier. But that move. God bless him. No one's ever been hurt that I know of. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. It's insane that people take that move. And then Adam Cole does it by jumping off the top rope, but for some reason, it looks a little bit softer when he does it. I don't know yeah. if it's because of the extra step, but when the first time I saw Petey do it, I'm like, absolutely no fucking way am I taking that bump. And mm-hmm. then there's these guys called the Cold Brothers. I don't know who did the move in wrestling. It might have been Canyon, which would be ironic because he's in the news on the IWC. You have the guy, Alexa Bliss was actually... I think she was in the move uh, Charlotte had her in the other night where Charlotte's got her legs over her head and her arms. And mm-hmm. so it would be like she tombstoned her from behind without looking. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Right. So, hom- guy, hom- homicide did that when he did it from the behind and it then he called sat the drive-on. Right. Mm-hmm. And,
0: and you had no idea where your head was when he did it. Right. And these dudes that I wrestled with all the time here in Detroit, the guy's like, hey, man. But I don't I don't think homicide was doing it yet because it was late nineties. So I don't know if homicide was around yet. But was, someone did yeah. it on someone did it on WCW. And he's like, hey man, I want you to take this move. And I, I looked at him and I'm like, Where's my head? And he's like, right here by my waist. And I go, and where's your head? He's like, right here. I go, looking that way? I go, so you'll have no idea where my head is when you sit down? He's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm like, no. <laughs> Then the guy tried giving it to me anyway, and I was like, fuck you, Will. So just so you guys listen at home, there's matches where real shit breaks out because Mm -hmm. I was not taking that move at all. I'd taken a doomsday device from two jabrones who probably shouldn't have been doing it. Thought I was dying for sure. Manny Fernandez and Bo James gave me the demolition move, which looks harmless, but when they're both mad at you when they give it to you, I literally said a prayer when Manny put me over his knee because I thought, this is where I die or at least get paralyzed. And they took care of me. They were pros, man. We were mad at each other in the match, but they took care of me other than pinning me with his finger. But that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. Um, but that move, like I said, Blair, Charlotte had that move. She had whatever. It was a submission hole when she was doing it. Mm-hmm. But picture her then just sitting down like she's driving right. somebody. Not a chance. And I don't think I've ever seen anyone do it on TV. Because uh, mm-hmm. you just said homicide. did. But didn't guys used to
1: hold the head like, is no, you do, you talk about the cradle, but the homicide actually took you from behind and like sat down and dropped you on your back. It was a back supported neck, but that's why he, it was called the drive by. It was very innovative. And Canyon, I think, did, I think Canyon did it during the Nitro days too. Yeah,
0: because there was no way I was taking. But but I, but I, mean I, I was just want
1: to turn it in my head. But let's, so let's get YouTube back. It, look no, for it. No, no, of course I understand it, but let's get back to this because symbolically the pile driver in Southern wrestling territory history is the most dangerous move. And Chris Candido was suspended by the mystery commissioner reflectionites, a.k.a. Bob Armstrong, trying to cut it, get another paycheck, but he doesn't want to you know, pay those taxes on it. But neither here nor there, TW, but the pile driver, again, Chris Candido did it on a jabroni. He didn't do it on Brian Lee, you know, when they were building the he, program. I thought he did it to Lance Storm. No, he didn't do it to Lance. He did it to some other jabroni. But anyway, neither um, here nor there. But he was suspended by Bob Armstrong in, you know, with uh, on the behest of the commissioner. But I just wanted to go back and just, you know, you talk about all those devastating moves. But symbolically, for the su- southern wrestling territory, the pile driver is banned. The pile driver is dangerous. And, and again, we could talk about, I don't want to talk about 2021 under TW, but it seems like it's so, like the pile driver is nothing compared to all the moves that that are done today. Agree, disagree? You have a different take. I disagree because I understand what you're saying. They, they do
0: pile drivers and DDTs as often as they do super kicks anymore, and they're not finishers. When pile drivers should be a finisher every time. I mean, you can have a false finish, whatever, but you. You shouldn't be doing it in minute four. They mm-hmm. have guys doing it, right? And I'll be honest, I think the pile driver died a fast death in the WWE once Austin took that one from Owen. I don't remember many people doing pile drivers after that, unless it was, again, like some kind of run-in. It was, just, it was only,
1: only the tombstone was the uh, the aforementioned yeah. pile driver being done in WWE yeah. television. Nobody was after doing that. the
0: Paul Orndorff pile driver no more after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but sensationalize like the stuff that you see now like like some of the stuff that people think are devastating it, like the 450 and now someone's doing 720s and someone's doing that but really it's not the impact that you pop for it's the 17 flips before they even hit the ground it's um, the execution
1: now it's just somebody, it has to
0: some, somebody did a move I, and i you're going to be shocked to hear this i'm pretty sure it was aew uh i think it was the lucha the penta and the other guy
1: just did oh, it. Ray Blown Phoenix, yes. Yeah, he did it off the cage.
0: Over, ju- no, no, this is not in the cage. He ran.
1: He, he does the, he does the type Charlotte's
0: rope. What's Charlotte's guy's name?
1: What's Charlotte's guy's name? Andrade. It's him. He mm-hmm. jumped on the rope, jumped okay.
0: up, dove off, and after he dove, started rotating and landed mm-hmm. on a bunch of guys on the floor. And if it wasn't him, then it might have been NXT, somebody down there. Oh, you know what? It was. It was. Ray Phoenix. No. 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 It was an NXT.
1: Fantasmo, oh. whatever. What's that guy's name? Oh, you got it. El uh, Gil Fantasma. But what's his Santos name? Santos Escobar. Santos Escobar. He did, it,
0: it was either him or guy, But it was phenomenal because mm-hmm. it was like he just changed gears in the midair, like went a different okay. direction. And I thought, man, that was pretty damn cool. But uh when did he do that? Impact, the drive by was that Impact Wrestling? Who
1: are you talking homicide. about? Homicide, homicide. No, he did that in Ring of Honor. He did it in the Indies. He did it oh, in Ring Impact. Yeah, yeah.
0: I thought he did it
1: on Impact. I'm no, he did it. He did it there. He did it there too. T.W., you look like you're you're flustered here. You, are you looking at a hockey game on me? No, I'm trying to find this. Pay camp. attention. Pay attention, Pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. I want the attention. It doesn't. I'm trying to watch him do the damn move, but it won't let me. All right. Go ahead. Oh, my goodness. See, see, for a second, I keep telling you, he always. The pile
0: driver, the pile driver. We're talking about moves. I want to watch the damn drive-by by Homicide.
1: Huh? No he's one's seeing what you're watching unless we do picture in picture. I
0: That's can't what it is. telling you what I'm doing. You can put it in there. Ray, you hear that, Ray? I'm sure he's going to put the other thing in there for <laughs> our technical <laughs> difficulties. He's going to be in there. He
1: does, Five Which reminds me of the
0: time we were doing the show Four Deep and Travis was like, got to go I'm out and he left for the same reason we had the technical difficulties for me but anyways to answer your question I remember what you asked pile driver yes in modern day I disagree with you because I think if someone was doing it it would be done well and it would have prominence but because no one's doing it and everyone's doing the flippy flips and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff I'll tell you I'll tell you something that's actually um rather strong does it more than anybody but I think Adam Cole does it um, I think Austin Aries might have done it. You uh, mean that flip where they, they
1: they where they flip
0: a dude and just land on their knees when they're yeah on they
1: their necks. flip them over then yeah. they
0: land down and they land on their knees and it's like come the on the backbreaker. But Roderick Strong does so many different things that ends up At being moment. a backbreaker. So mm-hmm. they call Taz the master of the suplex or submission, whatever they called them. I think Scott Steiner was the master of the suplex. Let's be honest, he did every damn suplex there ever was. But um. Taz was the submission like that. master, right? What was he known for? Taz player. the submission machines. machines. Yeah. So I think someone needs to call Roger Strong the backbreaker machine because the, the dude, for his tiny ass size, the mm-hmm. guy, it, it don't matter who it is, he done it to big dudes, dudes bigger than him. He probably could do it to Keith Lee. So by the way, was my friend working me when he told me they changed Keith Lee's name to Bearcat?
1: That's his new uh, middle name.
0: But it's Keith Bearcat Lee yeah so inevitably it's just going to be bearcat
1: <laughs> well he's paying homage to the original bearcat i don't even know who that is don't worry I, i'm not going to give you a history lesson but there is the bearcat. You see a bearcat black a heel? black excellence bearcat okay. Okay. okay go for it shoot but anyway neither here nor there i just wanted to to pay homage to chris Candido, who is an ecw alum but you know this what's he wearing his hat there I was gonna ask you the same question. I don't know. It oh, looked like underwear. was it underwear or was that that diving thing? You know, when you, you when you dive and you put you you know protect it your hair like and he ears.
0: Point the clown's thing before he painted his face. Oh, it could
1: mean. it could be. But you, what, what I want to revel in is the untapped potential, the skills that he presented himself. He had the comedy aspects of timing, but you didn't see that with being the body dynast in WWE. You know, Vince McMahon fucked it up. No, no doubt about it, because the body donors did not sell. To be fair, Son- he's five six, so the body no, even no, got signed was was a good thing. N- the reason he got signed was not because of himself; Sonny. it was because it was because of Sonny, because of the package. Right. It was the but it was the package. Them- it was the package deal of Sonny and also Dr. Tom Pritchard having already clout and a reputation, so he had to put them all together. But I just think that Chris Candido. Not a lot, you know. When you was watching that on WWF television before the Monday Night Wars, it was an insult to Smoky Mountain people. It was an insult to ECW people. Like you're turning this guy into a doofus, but you know, basically, he was into a, a damn ge- cheerleader. He, he was an original uh, spirit squad member. But I, I wish he looked like a cheerleader, not like this, like like a like an exercise freak. What say you, right. TW? He why got, did they- he got Ron Simmons' original gear, and then he got Sonny? And then so immediately
0: really, lost Sonny to the Road Warriors. So I didn't even right. know what happened there. So, so you're, yeah, I, I so felt you're saying for
1: he, he was the white Farouk. Oh, okay. He right. just needed the he Centurion was, helmet. He was, he was Rook Fu. But uh, <laughs> but uh, he, he's somebody who,
0: like, like I said to you, I think Alistair Black works better in AEW. I think Pac works better in AEW. By the way, it's the first time I called him Pac
1: um mm-hmm.
0: whereas i think other guys do better in wwe i think christian's better in wwe even though he's impact world champion i think the christian we saw in wwe maybe even impact before he came back to wwe was a good mm-hmm. version of him but he's just lost there but alistair black fits there and candido shane douglas I, I the dean douglas stuff didn't bother me because he was i think he was icy champ for two minutes um mm-hmm. But they used them, so I, so I'm again. You're you're talking to a guy who watched his favorite wrestler become the Red Rooster, and was still happy that he was there. So I think with Shane Douglas, and I understood why they called him Dean Douglas
1: because we can be happy that they can't have two Shanes. No, no, I but. We could be happy that they make it to WWE. We just want them to be used in no, the no, no, proper no. I settings think, I to think excel. He got used. He was feuding with Michaels. He was feuding with,
0: with Guy. He wasn't there long, but he mm-hmm. did stuff. And then, of course, Shane being Shane was not there very long because right. he's, a, he's a bridge burner. And, and so with, with Candido, it's ironic. I don't really have memories of him in, in ECW other than print. And so I don't know if he was the guy who didn't talk because he doesn't. No, talk he talks. He talked. He, he talked in ECW. didn't talk is Skip. So for, mm-hmm. for me, it's like this guy doesn't talk at all. Like So to me, he was a disappointment. And I'm like, this is the guy that, like, everyone praises about on ECW? Yeah. this is it? So in hindsight and knowing all that, that I feel bad for. Shane Douglas at least got to talk. He got to, you know, make lemons into lemonade, yeah, if you He will. articulated. Skip yeah, I get you. Skip got nothing. He mm-hmm. got nothing but a tag team and I don't even know if they ever were tag champs. I think they were just jobbing at the Godwin no, no. and the Road Warriors? No, they were
1: tag team cha- They were two time okay. tag team champions. Okay, so at least they got that. And mm-hmm. then Lance Storm.
0: I don't He remember, didn't talk. Wasn't it WWE where he was like if I could be serious for a second or was that WCW? Well yeah. that no, was
1: that WWE? was that was that was Nitro in the in the waning days and then he tried to take it to WWE but then Austin buried him when he called him boring and then that was it.
0: Right. Well, then they did the whole angle where he's trying not to be boring and he danced and did all that. But, right. yeah, but but I think Lance Storm's another one of them fuckers on Twitter I can't stand. He's a fucking whiny-ass liberal Canadian. Uh, but I think he was a small fish in a big pond. I think he would have thrived in AEW. I think he did thrive in ECW for a reason – I think he would have thrived in Smoky if he would have stayed there long enough.
1: But he was TV champ, right? Or that I think ta- boot- I think Smoky Mountain Tag Team Champions, if I'm not mistaken, with I Chris thought Jericho.
0: Blue beat him for the TV title. That's what we were watching.
1: No, no, no. You're asking me uh, about his career. Uh, he might no, have been. No, no, the-
0: no. So, but but that's what I mean. Like you know what Lance Armstrong looked. Lance Armstrong. Lance Storm looked to me. He looked like he was trying to be Sting without makeup. He had that little stupid tail in the back, mm-hmm. the buzz cut. I hated. The white boots with the kick pads over them—it it made it look like he shouldn't be wearing white well, boots. But l-
1: well, since we're talking about Lance Storm, look at it this way, TW. He was the tag team was called Thrill Seekers. His tag right. team partner was Chris Jericho. They both—well, Chris Jericho had the long, flowing blonde hair. They were trying to be like the Rock and Roll Express for the nineties. Double dragon, tri- one blonde, yeah, one that, dark hair. One yeah, but one that too. But I'm just saying, like, you Blond. know, for the ladies, go ahead. Big pop, big pop
0: for me. Storm, and i almost went on twitter and said dude still don't like you but i love the fact that you came to the ring to danger danger rock america i love it it was awesome and i mm-hmm. thought that has to be jericho's doing was that their theme song as a team i think so like two canadian guys coming to rock america the danger danger is not a canadian band by the way they're I think they're from jersey but uh okay I, I heard that come on, and I'm like, what the? I thought I was like one of five people that even knew this song. And I go, and he's coming, because it wasn't a radio song. It was like the first or second song on the side B of the cassette. But mm-hmm. I popped for that. And, and, again, I respect Lance Storm as a wrestler. I, I just don't like his bitterness. And he seems to be another one of those guys. When I say whiny liberal I'm just joking. But he's another one of those guys when given a chance to bitch about WWE, he does. And that, to me, it comes across as sour grapes. That whole thing with Mickey James and that plastic bag that people still think they just tossed her shit in a bag and threw it, who don't know the whole story. If you follow, if you look in, research the story, it wasn't her stuff like they cleared out her apartment. It was stuff from the lost and found when people leave stuff, when they end the road and go back home and then come back. They keep it in a box. They're, she's lucky they even sent it back there because someone, I can't remember if it was Summer Ray or somebody like that. They sent her Natalie Neidhart's gear because they thought it was hers. They're doing it to be nice. They didn't put it in a plastic bag to be assholes. They put it in a plastic bag so it was all together and didn't get lost. Then they just put the bag in a box and mailed it to her. So between you and I, Mm -hmm. I think I said this on here before, she absolutely knew that it was not a fucking slight to her, but it paid off because by doing what she did, she's now – the, oh, she's the rebel who put down WWE and got that guy fired, blah blah blah. Well, so in, the, in the days, in sure the day, storm
1: backed her up. But and in the days, when, just, but in the days of the dirt sheets, you know, for social media purposes, it's a good hot story, and people will make will draw to their own story. conclusions. That's all it that is. Fake story, fake news, fake. and she played them people
0: just mm-hmm. like AEW every week says shit and gets those thirteen year old kids that love it to oh they say shit. And then mm-hmm. the next guy says it, and the next guy says it. Then well, this guy says it
1: nine times. L- let's go back to the positive. doing it. Let's go what back to the – wait, 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 wait. Let's go back to the positive. Let's go back to the positive. Let's go back to the, positive. back to the positives. All right. You pop for – that sign. You pop for – that too. But you pop for danger, danger. That, that's all that matters. Some, it, this is a great example. Whatever works for a wrestling fan to draw you into something. You pop for Danger Danger. That would have meant that you would have spent your hard-earned money for the next SMW show I knew to hear Danger
0: Danger. I knew from reading about them in magazines that I would have been a fan of Thrill Seekers. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like pattern, you said, they were, they were a Rockers. They were a Midnight Express, Midnight Rockers-type team. They were mm-hmm. young, green. Oh, I didn't know green as a term back then. They were just young guys who were hungry. Um, I have been a Jericho fan since the day I saw him for the first time and have been ever since. I I, I like him. I don't like the bitter man he's become these days. I listen to his podcast with Adam Cole. It's just one hour of him getting every shot at WWE that he can, which my buddy says he doesn't take shots at Vince. He takes shots at everything else and puts Vince over because he's not an idiot because he probably Mm -hmm. wants to go back there at some point. But I I love Jericho. And if we're being fair, Lance, if you hear this, To be fair, You are the Marty Gennetti of the Thrill Seekers. And I don't think anyone's gonna argue that.
1: But, well, being the Marty Gennetti is not an insult because if you look at I follow Marty Gennetti on Facebook and the Marty Gennetti Chronicles is something are you not that I do that term? No, no, I don't You're the with that term. No, I'm familiar with the term, but I want to give respect where respect is due for Marty Gennetti. Follow Marty Gennetti Chronicles on Facebook, TW, and you will see that That's he's an not page? Yes. Well, it's not called the Marty Jannetty Chronicles. I, I just follow him. I lost my title to Marty Jannetty, and he's got
0: 5,000 friends, so he can't accept my damn friend request because he's still sitting there in limbo. Um, and then one day I saw he lost 10 friends, so I'm like, dude, accept my shit. And he didn't even respond to
1: me, the bastard. Because me the stiffest super kick he, I've ever taken. Because you keep saying that someone is the Marty Jannetty of a tag team, they won't accept your friend request, but neither here nor there. Wouldn't Let, you
0: be happy? See, he might be the Marty Jannetty of the Rockers. But he is a damn thing. He will mm-hmm. live on forever, years from now. Chris Daniels, your buddy Frankie Kazarian, is the Marty Jannetty of your tag team. So that is that is true. He's that a pop true. culture phenomenon, mm-hmm. and he's over for his crazy shit he does every day. Anyway,
1: yeah, of course. You know, he he bombs women till this he's day. But anyway, <laughs> that's what that's what that's what it is. But anyway. To be the Marty Janetti is a, is a gold standard for the also, professional. he took a little of the, the numbness of being the Marty Janetti by
0: being the Intercontinental Champion, and he was tag team champions with one, two, three kids. So, hey, mm-hmm. Marty, two out of three ain't bad, buddy. Absolutely. Because Sean was a grand slam.
1: All right, let, let's talk about what we came here to talk about, and this was the main event, and this was the feud of SMW. The feud, you know, the Rock and Roll Express, you know, did business with Jim Cornette. And, you know, it's apropos because, you know, they weren't valued in WCW anymore. This is 1994 TW. They weren't valued in WWE. You know, maybe one nostalgic match and that was it. You know, they got a paycheck and left. So I guess Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson felt comfortable in the Smoky Mountain area because, again, it followed the Bickety. monikers. They could eat. They're probably, they're probably, you know, it's a, it's a quick drive. It's local. It's a quick drive to the Tennessee state fairgrounds, no matter what. And they're the, they're the marquee. They're they're the reasons that people are paying to see them. But I'm just wanted to say they put over a young, fresh, and you want to talk about green. This is a green team put together by James E. Cornette. This is a funny shit. The gangsters were put together by James E. Cornette TW because James E. Cornette for people who, who keep saying that he is stuck in the 70s or stuck in the 80s had the foresight to say put these two African-American dudes together and do a, a and really bring a lot of sh- true-to-life shit from TV they talked about the OJ trial they talked about Rodney King he even told them to say cracker on TV TW he told New Jack to to go after white folks, and New Jack said no problem. He will do it. And Jim Cornette doesn't get enough credit not not to not to say that he created the gangsters, but he gave them a vehicle and and like said he gave him a chance. He, he gave them a chance, but he also said he get, he nudged them with the bullet points. That's what I'm trying to say. nudged them with the bullet points of what's true to life, and the gangsters turned to were cult icons in SMW. They were cult icons in the indie scenes and, of course, were cult icons in ECW. What say you about the gangsters? I like New Jack when he says,
0: and you know what? You guys might not like us, but that's okay because we don't like you either. I was <laughs> like, that's money. But I will say this. If if Jim Cornette gave him the microphone and the bullet points, New Jack took it and ran with it. He made a damn career out of that to the point mm-hmm. where it's almost dangerous with what, what Jimmy did to him because, you know, even though it's 94, you, sorry, Southern people, I keep making fun of your intelligence, but people don't know it's a work and someone could literally run out to their truck with the Dixie flag on it and the gun mm-hmm. rack in the back window. He
1: said they them. did. He, New Jack said they did on a couple of occasions in, in FNW. I'm but, just going to make your point. It. Mm-hmm. Like, and they think they're doing justice,
0: right? Like, hey, he talk shit about us. We got to get him. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I thought, because we haven't said it in a while, things you can't do in 2020 wonder, mm-hmm. was Ricky Morton saying, we're going to teach you boys some le- some respect. And I was like, you, you can't do that. No, do. You boys. Not, not in that, f- not, not in that form. mean it that way. Yeah, of course. They would have said that about Tracy Smothers and his partner, but you're going to mm-hmm. teach you boys respect. But in 2021, someone would turn it around and say he meant it in a disrespectful, you know, inferior way. So, right. But I,
1: t- I thought that, and I thought, oh, if, if Professor doesn't bring it up, I'm bringing it up. Go ahead. I, I don't mind you bringing it up. The, the thing I just want to say before, you know, we close out, we're going to talk about this match, and then I want to go back to something just for a little fun fact, but neither, I just want to stay on this match here, this feud, because the Rock and Roll Express are the tag team of the 80s. They're one of the top 10 tag teams of all time, TW. It is not, you know, it's not debatable. They are somewhere on the top 10 for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. In they the 90, In the 90s, They needed the gangsters, and the gangsters needed them. The gangsters needed the rub from the Rock and Roll Express, and the Rock and Roll Express needed the legacy from the upstart gangsters. Do you agree with that assessment? Absolutely. It it worked. It it just worked. And they had a good
0: match. It wasn't like, you know, the the finish was weird, um, but I liked it. like when matches get restarted and then they wrestle 10 more minutes because it's like you Mm -hmm. hit that peak of the finish and now well, you're going back to square
1: one and whatever. But it was still too quick. You, well, symbolically, you can't do it in 2021. You know what it was? It was called the good old boy network. It was white privilege. That's why the gangsters did not become the Smoky Mountain Tag Team Champions because of racism, because of the KKK of Bulldog. Damn Baw- Jim Cornette. Damn Jim. Well, Jim Cornette was smart enough to keep going, perpetuating. But that's neither <laughs> here nor there. But it was a good, decent match. But I, I agree with you on that ending because it, w- it was kind of Fluky, again, Bullet Bob Armstrong, you know, putting his stamp on this particular episode with this invisible commission of bullshit, and the gangsters did not become <laughs> the tag team champions, TW, but when you look at this match, before, again, we're almost at the end, Reflection Nights, when you look at this match, you know what, I looked at this match, and you might not see it, unless you you got go on YouTube. But you follow me here, T.W. When I looked at this match with all the... It wasn't a straight 15-minute match. They they cut it to the highlights. But when I looked at it, I looked at it at the point... It was the Russians versus the Rock and Roll Express. Because the Gangsters were the big, strong team. New Jack was Ivan Koloff. Mustafa was Nikita Koloff. And the Rock and Roll Express were just the Rock and Roll Express. Ricky Morton was taking bumps. He was selling. The the girls were crying. They wanted to make sure that that they're... Pretty boy, Ricky Morton, was okay. What say UTW about that assessment? Absolutely, and the, the formula works. They found a team. Because, I mean, the Rock and Roll Express
0: versus the Russians, yeah, that was one. But normally they're wrestling the Midnight Express. or mm-hmm. I, I want to say the Rock and Roll Express wrestled the Fantastics and WCW once or twice. Um, but they didn't do a lot of baby face versus babyface stuff because mm-hmm. you split the crowd. So, But, uh, you know, get back real quick. That's one of Ricky Morton's uh, endearing qualities. Like, like we always say, Daniel Bryan is the next Ricky Morton. There, there are people to this day who still think Ricky Morton should have beat Ric Flair for the world title. And that it would have drew, and they would have mm-hmm. made money with him as champion. And, you know, obviously there's people who disagree because they think he's too little. But um, not in WCW or NWA. Um, but basically, he wouldn't do it. I think you told me this. Because he didn't want to leave Robert. Like, right. I don't know if they offered him the belt, and he said no, but he didn't fight for it to get the belt, like a lot of guys politic for. And I wouldn't even be surprised if that's why Ronnie Garvin got it, because Ricky Morton was like, nah, I want to stay with Robert. Because we all know, with no Ricky, there's no Robert. And once Ricky Morton became Richard Morton, when the hell did you ever see Robert Gibson doing jobs on Saturday night, teaming mm-hmm. with other people and losing? And uh, Right. So him versus that that Mustafa guy. One of the guys. I think there was three guys in
1: ECW, weren't there? Three guys. No, the original gangsters was your man Dilo, Mustafa Said, and New Jack. And then everybody D-Lo else was, was a gangster. Yes. Idea. None. I thought mm-hmm.
0: ECW there was three
1: of them. No, it was two. Dilo didn't just, follow. It was the same. same.
0: It, was, it was the same two. It was him the whole time.
1: Mm-hmm. It Mustafa? was New Jack and Mustafa Said. Did and the just it, leave, Did he just origin- leave the business? I. Th- yeah, probably just he, he retired quietly into the night and did his own thing and then let New Jack do what he wanted to do. But the original gangsters, wrestling-wise, in SMW was D'Lo Brown because he took all the heat and the bumps. Mustafa Saeed was, was the muscle, that. and New Jack was the heater with the mouth. That's the original gangsters. And then you had, like, four jobber guys, indie jobber guys, wearing, like, being security. Chain. No, no. <laughs> no it was just it was guys i don't know no, i know yeah i know the i know what,
0: I was with the nation yeah like but just no in they they
1: didn't but those guys didn't talk in smw uh, i don't know their names that's what it was i wish they were they were pg-13 light but they they were they because then it would have been too comical and jim Cornette didn't want comical he wanted realness wanted so that's what he wanted to eat. eat so yeah. when i look when that's why i said i looked at this match and i said the russians because. He reminded me of Krusher Mustafa reminded me of Krusher Khrushchev or Nikita Koloff and of course right. you know no disrespect to Ivan Koloff but New Jack reminded me of Ivan Koloff cuz you know he was the the little man here but it, right. it was a decent match for the times here and before we go TW you actually harped on it a little bit but I just wanted to say there was a vignette of a of a of a fourth generation coming to SMW his name was Bryant Anderson And fun fact for a lot of reflectionites, Ole Anderson did that promo. You know where he did it? His basement. No. He did it across the street from the WCW power plant because at that point, he got fired from WCW, and he was supposed to do something with Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette said, can you tape something Cause I needed some promo time with Brian Anderson. He was gonna, he was gonna do something with Smoky Mountain under, you know, while Oli was under the uh, contract of WCW. WCW said, "No, you can't do it. It's either nix the the Smoky Mountain relationship with Jim Cornette or get fired." You know what Oli did? He said, "Fuck it, I quit." But before he quit, he took a microphone from the WCW power plant and oh, cut the promo cut the, to nice. inches. He had a mic, to, yeah, right to cut the promo to introduce Smoky Mountain Wrestling fans to Brian Anderson from the parking lot of the WCW Power Play. I just wanted to bring that fun fact out. Whatever happened to his kid?
0: I was, you know, I I like to do this. 1994, for me, does Mm -hmm. not feel like it was 25 years ago, right? Don't feel like it to me? 27 years ago. Mm -hmm. 21. It It feels like... Yesterday and then when you watch stuff like that on the TV and it's so old looking you're like damn And then I did the math. I'm like I hear Oli's not in good shape because of diabetes or whatever Um, Mm -hmm. He's in a wheelchair. He's he's got to be 80 years old Because he's damn near 50 there if not Mm -hmm. already in his 50s and it's 27 years ago And then you got that Bryant guy. I'm looking at him. I'm like even if he's only 20 He's 55 Mm -hmm. years old like I'm like wow because 94 I'm 21
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, 27 years later, I'm 48 years old. So, well,
1: actually, yeah, so he's not 54. I, that was terrible man But he so, looked like
0: he was, he's, so you never, he's at least
1: 22, 23 years old. You never you never crossed paths with Brian Anderson in the Indies. I scene. never heard
0: of him until I watched <laughs> that promo. I'm that serious. Like, his last name, his first name is my last name, and I've never heard of him. But I did, just side note, I watched a link from the hustle page for, um, MLW had some YouTube show recently, and the Von Erich yeah. kids were on there. And a mm-hmm. bunkhouse match against—I don't know who they wrestled. I can't. The Filthy Lawler. Yeah, team team Filthy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. Um, do they wear the boots and I mean the jeans and stuff like that all the time, or do they
1: wear gear? No, they wear. Do gear. They dress
0: like that. They dress like that for the match.
1: Yeah, for the bunkhouse, they wore jeans, but they. So but they MLW wear...
0: is just on YouTube then.
1: It's supposed to be on Vice. Uh, now it was on Being Sports. I don't know their TV uh, partnership right now.
0: Yeah, so I saw that, and I and that Tom Lawler. I feel like his window passed, right? Like, like I think Matt Riddle took his spot because he was the MMA guy who became a wrestler and was doing good. But he he just
1: I don't know if it was good. no he, he no Timothy Thatcher took Tom Lawler's spot, not not Matt Riddle. To me, the way I, I see the presentation, it was more Timothy Thatcher on NXT than. Uh, then Matt Riddle. Oh, the guy that teams with uh. Tommaso gotcha. Ciampa. Mm-hmm. If you really look at it, because Thatcher was in MLW at that time with Law with Tom. Oh. T- Tom Lawler. Oh, I didn't know that. Was that his mm-hmm. name too? Timothy Thatcher. Yeah, he, he got he brought his, name. his name. Well, wow. you know, for NXT purposes, and then he'll, he'll be, be Tim. He'll be Catbeer. Cat yeah, they'll just be Thatcher. He'd be Thatcher toothless. He'd be toothless Timmy on the on the main that, roster. Isn't that what? Isn't that what? Ciampa called him. Was toothless Timmy when they were talking? Yeah, but Vince will will brand it as toothless Timmy. But anyway, neither here nor there. I just wanted to. I got bring news that- for you. He ain't getting called up. <laughs> just so you know. We don't know, but anyway, I just wanted to bring that fun fact that you fun never awesome. met Brian that's Anderson. Great story. You never met Brian Anderson, but Brian Anderson and Ole Anderson did a promo outside the WCW Power Plant as an FU to WCW, so Maybe he that's can what bring. Maybe he got blackballed for doing that, man. I swear, I never heard of him. You know what? You probably are right. Because if that promo blackballed him from WCW, because there were still years left. Yeah, six. You know, before Six seven. years left. Seven years left before they went out of business. He did not come he back have been to. Goldberg. Right, he could Goldberg. Well, right. I don't know about that, but neither here nor there. And, he did, And of course, he was not going to WWE with Vince McMahon because he hated Vince McMahon, and Vince McMahon hates Ole Anderson. Yeah, yeah. So, And, and of course, in the Hall of Fame, Ole Anderson is not in the Hall of Fame. That, that, that horseman. His horseman it's class. It's, it's the Wyndham version. Yeah, it's the Wyndham version. So that that, yeah. that shows that if you don't do business with Vince McMahon, you will be blackballed forever. But that is, Sid, is... Is Sid in the Hall of Fame? No. Damn. I got to do a ed- petition to get Sid and Lex in the Hall of Fame, damn it? Again, if they don't do business, that's what... I, I agree with you. I, He's their well, health ambassador. Again... Well, maybe next year because of doing that. Not this year. Maybe next year. But anyway, Reflection Nights, that is the episodic episode of the PWR podcast here at the PWS. networks at podmeme.com. We hope you enjoyed this nostalgic ride through Smoky Mountain Wrestling. We went everywhere, we went front to back, side to side, and we try to get everything. You into- right back to front? No, I, I go side to side and I circle it around. Once or twice. But anyway, neither here nor there. We hope you enjoyed this episodic episode. And next week, TW, we're going to go another episodic episode. And since, you know, you felt old watching this 1994 SMW, I want you to feel old again by watching an old mid-90s ECW. So I'm going to find one I'll for you. And we're going to enjoy I
0: want to throw my hat in the ring,
1: even though we just did Smokey Mountain. We don't have to do it anytime
0: soon. However. You're going to be surprised, because I know this some bitch is going to end up being a couple hours long. Actually, four. No, okay. yeah, four. We can just do it boardroom style. Okay. They did an advertisement for Night of Legends for
1: mm-hmm. Smoky oh, Mountain. You want to do Smokey Mountain, the Night of Legends one? Night of Legends, yeah.
0: And just to watch it, because like I said, I, I would have watched Smoky Mountain just like I would have watched Ring of Honor. Now I try to watch Ring of Honor, because I can't, because mm-hmm. I got Sling TV, and it's unwatchable with no fans absolutely mm-hmm. unwatchable i don't know who their commentating team is but they're also garbage but uh the matches uh i kind of liked it that one dude uh silas is his name i think uh silas young silas, silas yeah, he ain't young but that guy was with some young dude josh woods that yeah that guy he was an mma guy mm-hmm. I, I
1: like josh woods um it's, that, re- it's the it's the grittiness of Ring of Honor that brings you back to watching the grittiness of Smoky Mountain and the grittiness of ECW. Yes. But let's but they end. To- why let's they have
0: fans? Why does Impact not have fans?
1: What? Why
0: does C- Impact has fans w- now? They do Impact, have fans yeah. now?
1: they brought, brought them back. Baltimore has strict COVID protocols, and Ring of Honor just doesn't want to do it because Baltimore they work on in Baltimore. Yeah, they they're only doing shows in Baltimore right now. So and uh, Sinclair they is were like Chicago based. No, Ooh. no, they're Baltimore based, but Sinclair owns them, so they can they can afford not to do anything with fans right. because Sinclair owns almost the whole United States with syndication. But anyway, it's like Ted Turner
0: paying the WCW guys to Time Warner, not WCW. There you go.
1: Anyway, let's end this, TW. Give out those social media hashtags and grinders and dum-dum duos and all that stuff so we can get out of here. You got it. That's my next post.
0: So the Pro Wrestling Coalition Network, you mentioned them. So look for them at the PWC Network at podbean.com. Our Twitter is at PW Reflection. Uh, Obi-Wan, not Obi-Wan. That's really good. Our man JB, who's missing, at the P1JB. I am. Oh Travis Boltz, I'm never saying your message again. He told me when I was in North Dakota. I don't listen to your show no more. Either. how'd you hear the new intro? But you told me it was old. So and then you got our good man Big Ray at Big Ray Hernandez. And then mine at Tommy Wonder19 is my political argue with dummies on Twitter handle. And then also at the Tommy Wonder, which seems to be more and more dummies on there too. I'm arguing with about wrestling and, and pop culture. Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. Snapchat is Number Wonder. Dum uh, Dum Duo and an Idiot on YouTube. And then of course you have our good friends Big Vito and his wife. BigVitoBrand.Wixsite.com Patreon.com backslash the Big Vito Brand.
1: And of course I'm on my Twitter at PWSOPROF at PWSOPROF. Of course I'm also on the PWSO YouTube networks and also follow my guys, my brother's brother in arms, A track brown the king of the reactions at eight track Dashley, and of course the man with the documents billy ray valentine at ob1 you know me and of course shout outs to everybody the pwc network the big Beetle brand and of course the magnificent seven the elite eight the naughty nine the terrific ten the tubular the, the uh, essential 11 the tubular 12 the thirsty 13 the filthy 14 i got it i got them all right <laughs> now this time shout outs to everybody that always uh you know keeps it 100 on the pwr podcast and again next week we're gonna go episodic again we're gonna find an ecw episode and for that i'm the professor that's mr wonderful tommy wonder saying good night and we'll see you next time There's here on the pwr podcast so, your <laughs> you are no, you're gonna fall you're gonna break your back i'm sitting down otherwise i would have tipped over.